For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, 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 and welcome to Believe. That's B-L-E-A-V in line right here on the Believe Podcast Network. I am your host at Javanaugh87, Jack Kavanaugh, and I am back to recap what unfortunately amounted to another Detroit Lions loss to the Cleveland Browns. But fortunately enough, I am joined by the original prototype for the Bill Belichickian nose tackle, the former All-Pro, former Pro Bowler, and current host of the Believe in Lions podcast, former Detroit Lion and former Cleveland Brown, it's Jerry Reckon Ball. How's it going, Jerry? Hey. I'm good, Jack. Say it again. Say it again. Say it louder. Jerry Reckon Ball. Love it. Love it. We need to get you some uh, some theme music as well. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. I'll probably have pull up something old school like Shaft. You All remember right. that? <laughs> All right. I can dig it. I can dig it. Yeah, yeah. But how you been? Family's good? Oh, yeah, everything's good up here. You know, it's uh, a little bit of cold weather up in Canada. You were saying it's a little bit nicer down there where you're at. Yeah, I I must say that down here in Houston right now, the weather has been nice. And I was a little nippy last week. You know, we're not used to having that snow, even though we had that uh, freeze of months back and stuff. But, I mean, the last week and a half has been real nice matter of fact it's been so nice that i've actually worked outside every day yeah i sure did well i'm jealous of that for sure we are down about 32 here today but that's okay it's still a good time up here uh where right right near detroit so anyways if you did bet on the detroit lions against the browns though the good news is the Lions covered. They were 11 point underdogs on betonline.ag. Can you believe just, that? It was disrespectful, wasn't it, Jerry? I tell you, you know, uh, but Bet Online definitely was the place to place that bet. You know, for those that took advantage of it and, and, and bet on the line, had success. I have to say that I bet on the SMU game and, and I, I actually covered that and, and got my little, little little change in now. I made a little, little, a little bit here. So like anything, anybody that wants to place a bet, bet online, football, basketball, baseball. Hey, I don't know. Do they bet on boxing too? You can bet on boxing. You can bet on oh. Frank Gore if you want to. Ah, uh, I don't know if I'm a bet on that because I told you, you know, that that jab and the reach of Darren Williams can be a problem, you know, if he, you know, don't really know how to bob and weave, you know. But I will tell you, uh, Terrence Crawford, just mm-hmm. a little side note, 
I wish I would have bet on that, but I wanted to see it. I didn't get a chance to see it, but I seen some highlights, and man, that guy looks razor sharp. Mm-hmm. I think that Earl, I hope Earl Spence and them can must up enough energy to go head on and make that happen because that would be a big one. I probably would travel to see that one. Who Jerry Ball making the road trip oh. all the way? You know yep, it's yep. a big event. And, and I would still bet online. Bet online at betonline.ag. And it's Thanksgiving, and we all know what that means. Football. And nothing goes better with football than turkey as well as some betting. Bet online has you covered all holiday season. More props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet online remains your number one spot for all the sports action this Thanksgiving. So head to our new updated desktop or mobile website and sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus with promo code BELIEVE. That's B-L-E-A-V to receive your bonus. And it's not just football either. Bet Online has pro and college hoops, NHL, boxing, UFC, even your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. And when this game started, it was not Tim Boyle under center. It with or sorry, it was Tim Boyle under center with Jared Goff out with an oblique injury. How'd you think Tim Boyle performed in his first game as the Lions quarterback? Well, again, you know, when, when you're the very first podcast we had, the one thing that I said about the Lions is that for them to make improvement, it wouldn't be hard to move the peg, meaning that they've been playing at such a level that any little improvement would move the peg. Tim didn't give that. He didn't move the peg. You know, so I'm not going to throw him out with the bathwater, but I will tell you I would rather Jared hurry up and get back, you know, just so that we have, you know, the best chance. I don't think he gave the team the best chance. Now, again, the game wasn't a runaway game. Okay, but, you know, we didn't score when we needed to. And the reality is, is that, you know, I will say this for for the defense and confidence and any fan that's looking at the Lions now, look at how many points that they're giving, because typically if you hold a team really under 14, 15 points, you're supposed to win the game. Statistically, you will win the game in the NFL because it's that 17 to 21 points that you try to get to because that's where the average win is. But, you know, he just didn't move the needle. He didn't move the peg. No, he really didn't. And the first two plays were great. It gave me a lot of hope. And Dan Campbell does continue to call the plays. He says that he likes being in the quarterback's ear. So he's going to continue that for the foreseeable future. And the first play, it was a little play action dump off to the rookie UDFA tight end to Brock Wright for a first down. I liked that. Get it to your ancillary ancillary receivers. And then the second play, he draws the D offside with the hard count. And then it was kind of all downhill for there. 
77 yards passing, two interceptions. And I get it. He has he's been on injured reserve, so he hasn't practiced in a while. This was his first NFL start. He'll get better, but it really was kind of ugly. TJ Hawkinson was the leading receiver, six grabs and 51 yards. Amon Ross St. Brown, four grabs and 18 yards, and nothing else of note for the entire team. Josh Reynolds, the recent free agent addition. He was disappointing. He was targeted twice, and it didn't even look like he wanted the football. Yeah. Well, I, I tell you, you know, it, it <clears throat> Swift did what he was supposed to do, but I just say to just because I, I don't think we've ever addressed or uh, we hadn't talked since Dan decided to call plays. And secondly, the response from the offensive coordinator and this so-called, uh, I guess, contention that's mm-hmm. going on between Dan and whoever doesn't have the same philosophical outlook of what's best with the players or how, how they're using Swift in some aspects. I don't even know what the plus and the minus of it is. But I will tell you, that any time that you have something like that that would seep out into the media, that means that there are some real problems on the inside. One thing that you don't do is that you don't talk the internal stuff in the media. They had I, I watched the offensive coordinator address it. He was pointed on because Dan is his boss. But I think Dan is kind of all over the place right now. But, again, you're the head coach. And if we're going to sink with Dan, I'm going to sink it my damn self. I'm not going to let you sink it. So I understand that mentality at a level. But you also hired those guys to do a job, okay? Now, you're saying that he's not doing the job because you've replaced him with yourself. Now, I remember when I was playing in Cleveland that first year, I told the Bernie Kozar story. The biggest thing that really was the driving thing behind that whole issue was that Bill Belichick had actually been called out by the media about him deciding to call offensive plays. Now, they give him being a defensive guru, but now you over here calling offensive plays, right? Now, Dan, been in some high-powered offenses and things like that. But the decisions that the offensive coordinator has to make in the process of a game, he's looking and talking to the other coaches at the same time to get an understanding what's going on with the line, if, if the offensive line uh, coach can talk to the offensive guard, and see if they can handle running inside, okay? That occurs in that earphone. Dan is not going to be able to coordinate the offense. Now, one thing that, you know, he said is he likes being in the quarterback ear. Why? What is it you need to say to him, okay? You need to call the plays. You're sending in the plays. You're giving them encouragement, you know, but you and the quarterback being able to talk, you know, 
that you know that's if you're an offensive guru and you was a coordinator and that's how you started this team this year, I could see that. But right now, I would be dealing with my coaches a little different, and I would still be delegating and putting the onus on them to do the job. Now, if the offensive coordinator and I don't see eye to eye, then I'm going to make another adjustment where, okay, who believes in this philosophy? So that means that if the coaches don't believe in the philosophy and there's contention, how are you going to get the players to buy into your program? Mm -hmm. Okay. Because you're asking them to believe what you're saying, Dan, that, by what Dan is doing, he don't see it, but unintentionally, he's sending the wrong message that, hey, I don't like what we're doing, so I'm going to change it by changing that gentleman's respect, role and responsibility, and I'm going to step into that role. So if the defense play bad, you're going to go over there and be the defense coordinator now? Mm-hmm. So... You, you, you get what I'm saying? The special teams, you Absolutely. know, give up two punt returns. You're going to go over here now. You're going to be the special team coach. Yeah. You know, yeah. but but anyway, but I just think he's sending the wrong message because it would be very hard for me. And then the internal politics, the players are working with that coach every day. That's who he's in the meeting room. He's not in there with the head coach. The head coach might stick his head in a meeting room if he wants to address something, but those position coaches are managing those meeting rooms themselves. So who you think the players become closer to? So if the head coach and the offensive coordinator, who's the running back coach, have a disagreement and he's telling them what he thinks should be going on, and the head coach comes in and make a change, he just contradicted the coach in front of his players. You know, so it's like shooting yourself in the foot too. Especially when the whole idea behind Dan Campbell as a coach was he was going to be a delegator. He's a former tight end, so he understands and can relate to the players. He's been in these offensive meeting rooms with the Saints for years, so he can kind of dip dabble there. And he's just been around Sean Payton, so he can dabble. But that was the point. He can delegate to people to do that job. Yeah, you, you know, he, here's the reality about just the head coaching profession. You know, so many guys like uh, a Dan Campbell will get an opportunity, and he 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 may be a good coach, and I'm not saying that he's not a good coach, but to be a great coach, there are some characteristics. Dan Dan Campbell will be is more like Mike Dicker. Yeah. Think about it. Yeah, I he's get more that. like Mike Dicker. Mike Dicker wouldn't fit this era, and because the players would but would hate him, and he would hate the players. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, there's yeah. things that that in the mod there are things that modern football players do that I can't stand. As an example, when they make a tackle and the guy didn't 
cover four to seven yards and you tackling him like you tackled him for 20 yard loss. Yeah. What the hell are you bouncing around for? It's a leak. You didn't tackle. win that play. Yeah, it's a leak you know? tackle and they're flexing. Yeah, all that nonsense, you know. I'm old school. I'm I'm from that dicker era. You know, we didn't tolerate that bull. And then if you're gonna flex, then I'm gonna punch you in your mouth. <laughs> really? Oh, you know, yeah. we're gonna deal with this on the field. We ain't gonna sit, but but again, the game has changed. Rules have changed. How men deal with things on the field. It is so I'm just saying that. Dan, right now, don't need to be the one that's showing that you should jump the ship. Yeah. Because what he's doing is reflecting that unintentionally. He thinks that he's gathering the troops, and I'm going to grab it by the horn. But actually, you just stepped on that guy, and... The players that like him just watched how you handled him. They're human. Yeah, it's not Madden. It's not. It's not. It's emotion in that room. You owe him whatever. Everybody is upset. Everybody should be on pins and needles. But what's happening is they're pointing, but you don't see who they're pointing, but it's some type of point because the dis. The, the contention that came out of that interview and how the people were asking the coordinator, you could see that he was disappointed, but he was giving a, a corporate answer. Yep. Because Keeping of the position. In the building, trying to. Oh. The guy was a head coach. <laughs> okay. So he knows what, what's required, okay? But Dan could have handled it better, you know? I just I just wouldn't have done it that way. And you know, I would have sat down with him. I said, here's the place that I want you to, you know, get perfected in my offense, all right? Tell me how you're going to do it. And I would have sat down with him. And I'm not saying that they didn't do that. Mm -hmm. But calling the plays during the game, Man, there's so many variables that the head coach got to be aware of down in distance, time on the clock. And yeah. now you're going to call the offense and you're going to talk to the quarterback. But then you then you got your special team coach. He asking you, should we get ready to punt? You're going to punt it. You're going to do this. Then you got to make that decision as a head coach. But you're in the coordinating aspects of it. Just too much. That's why they got other coaches. You can't do it all. Yeah, and especially when he was sold as a delegator, as someone who is going to put the people in position to succeed. And it almost feels like it's a twofold problem because number one, it kind of feels like he's trying to rip off Sean McVay. We all heard about how Sean McVay was in Jared's ear. He was talking. He was helping coach him through it. And it feels like he, Dan Campbell is trying to, do that and that's not who he is as a coach it's never been him well okay let, 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 let's break it down right in every profession i don't care what it is there is lingo or language all right 
The communication of a coach to a quarterback based on the lingo that's inside of that playbook has to be specific, concise in the language that has been taught. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, Sean McVay and the way that he runs his offense by communicating to him is one thing, but you're not speaking the same language because just in your emotion, you don't deliver it the same way. So you hear it different. So it's no way that you can say that I'm going to do the same thing. You rarely ever, ever see Sean McVay really loud in any aspect. You see him excited, but you don't see him doing a lot of talk. Even when he run up to the guys and pat him, he doesn't be talking. Yeah, He's showing emotion. So that means that he has a, to me, it reflects that it's more reserved in how he will communicate in the ear of a quarterback during the game. Dan Campbell emotional. So if he's upset on something that didn't happen on the defensive side of the ball, now he got to go get in the quarterback ear and take that frustration out and that voice and that emotion. He's like me. I, I can't be that. Even mm -hmm. when I'm talking to you, I'm not upset, but, but I'm making a point, but it comes across passion because the way it delivers, the way my my voice has a baritone, sounds different. Jared Goff might not be the one that can listen to that. That can be static, where I hear you and I don't hear you, because I hear your frustration. What did I do? Because mm -hmm. we see Dan Campbell's frustration on his face, and we already know that he will say what he needs to say. So what's stopping him in that ear? I think from the standpoint of understanding how to motivate Jared, but get him to the next level. Dan is not a quarterback coach. Mm -hmm. And Dan is not an offensive coordinator. You can be a good head coach and a horrible offensive coordinator and a horrible defensive coordinator because that's not your skill set. As you take a, a guy like um, what was the long time Marv Levy the Buffalo Bills. Philosophical, soft-spoken, but he could lead men. He could get the men to rally together. And that's what a head coach actually needs to be able to do. He needs to be able to lead his men to battle. All right? Now, he has to rely on his downline, his captains, the other generals, to actually create some strategy, especially if it's one that requires more than one person's input. And right now, I just think he needs to really kind of settle down. Yeah. Because yeah. you're rattled and it makes your team now look rattled. Now everybody has all these questions. Are you going to continue? Oh, well, yeah, I like, I like being in the quarterbacks here. That that was to me yeah. that was a poor yeah. statement. That was a poor statement. And then it starts like for out. what? Did you win? Yeah. Did you produce more offense? For what reason? And <laughs> Other than you want to be able to say what you want to say. I'm sorry. Oh no, that's okay. Uh, all I was going to say was, and then it starts the questions 
are you going to keep Anthony Lynn next year as your offensive coordinator? Will he be fired? Well, and now he's asking, not going to be there. And, he's and not going to be there. You can no. see that on the wall. They would let him go right now if they could. Yeah, I, but that would, be, but that would also be like part of the crew walking the plank. Ah, true. <laughs> you it, know what I mean? Yeah. You can't make that move right now. Not when you're owing something. Unless this, you you're gonna put it all on him? Mm, no, you can't. No, it has to start with the head coach. Yeah, and then, if the head coach ain't willing to cut his hand off, he don't need to fire not one of those coaches because it's his leadership, it's his job. And if they was gonna fire anyone, if that becomes an issue, he needs to volunteer to be fired himself. Because here's the fact of it, Jack, and anybody listening to this. If you owe him anything, that means that any one of us could have done that job. <laughs> yep. Think about it. Don't take much qualification to go owe in anything. I could lose an NFL game. Okay. So if you are in 16 or in 17, shit, I got good reason to fire you. I'm not even going to try next year. I'm not going to give you three years. I'm not going to give that to you. No, 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 not because you're going to take me from the bottom, bottom. <laughs> and all of a sudden we're going to be a contender. But you know what? They could. If they do what's necessary, if they can get their composure, if they can show that they pause, if Dan can show that he can be paused in this heat. He can teach his team how to respond versus react. And that's important because I've been on those losing type teams and we would fight to the end, but we had to change that as players. But the best part of the leadership with the players is that we got Wayne Fonts and he's the one that led us. Okay. And he told us exactly how we were going to do it. He said, we're going to play seasons within the season. We got first four games. This is what I feel. If bare minimum, if we two and two, we on track. He said, the next four, we need to be three and one. All right? That put us right there, five and three. And then in November and December, we need to be the best football team in the league and in november and december we were we can compete with anybody if you check wayne font's record in november and december that's when he won most when it was time to get it ready to go to playoffs now again that's a guy that's leading the team that actually gave vision of how we're going to do it gave a goal this is what we're trying to achieve and we're going to play Seasons within the seasons, one play at a time. And it got down to these type of specifics, whereas it would be said that we're going to play one play at a time. If they score a touchdown, we go to the next play. If we score a touchdown, we go to the next play. Now, after we play every play one at a time and we win, we want to make sure that we won more plays than they did, so we need to focus on that one play. And every man 
has its own individual battle. It's 11 individual battles, one team. Chris Steelman got that knowledge. <laughs> okay? Yes, so I understand what he's pulling for. But right now, they got to show more poise. More you know? Po yeah, more poise is definitely the right way to put it because as we were talking, the offensive coordinator is probably gone. Now Deuce Staley, the running back, he's facing questions. Would you ever want to call plays? And it, Why? Why do we need these questions around the team right now? Man, Justin, and, and, and even if, but you see, the thing is, is this. When you have a guy like Deuce on a team, one, you haven't, you really have this modern athlete because he understands it because Deuce was after me, mm -hmm. right? So he's part of that transition to where it is now. So he can communicate in that way, okay? Now, when they're asking him, do you want to call plays? You know, they lobbing that in there to definitely throw a grenade in the house. Yep. But as a coach that is a position coach, they want to be coordinators because that's how they become head coaches. Mm -hmm. All right. That's just more of the direct path to being a head coach. So if he say he don't want to call plays, then that could be saying to the whole football world, yeah. I don't want to be coordinated. <laughs> so he has to answer it the way that he answered, because I did hear that question and I heard his response, you know, which was, again, appropriate for he being who he is as a coach under Campbell. Yeah, you know now does Will Campbell trust him? I really want to know what is the. They talked about Swift as being one of the things that they're battling back and forth on how they're using it. Okay, I want to know what the what the tiff is, because Swift to me, like I've said from day one, he's the rhythm of the offense. <laughs> yes, he is. He's the rhythm of the offense. And that's who they really should be building around while Jared is, is struggling. Really. And that's getting the ball, handing it to him. Marshall Falk, I'm telling you. <laughs> Get him out, out in space, make the linebacker have to try to tackle him open field. And the greatest thing about Swift is, is that he always makes the first man miss. <laughs> he does. Let he do that. Look at the stats. 14 carries, 136 yards. That's almost 10 yards a carry from DeAndre Swift, including a career-long 56-yard touchdown run. Just no doubt. Phenomenal. He's the first Lions running back to have back-to-back 100-yard games in 17 years. The last one to do it, Kevin Jones in 2004. So I've, I've got to know. Wow. Yeah, it's been that long. How disappointing is that? Wow, man. That's a long time. <laughs> yep. A disappointingly <laughs> long time. Hell, I retired in 2000. <laughs> 2004, the last time the Lions had a back-to-back 100-yard -back wow. rusher. 
That's surprising. It is. And so with that in mind, does DeAndre Swift earn another spritz of King from Jerry's fragrance collection? Well, I, I have to tell you that, you know, what he earned was this one fragrance and it's by this company called Killian. And like I told you, you know, there's designer and then there's niche. And this is one of those that you're going to go into the high-end stores and find, but it's called Straight to Heaven. Ooh. And it's Killian. All right. Now, Swift is a guy that came straight from heaven because he's the sweetest thing right now that the Lions have in their locker room. You know, everything else is like a sour, well, what, what they call those jar, a sour jawbreaker. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, Swift is like what I, like one of those pecan clusters and stuff, you know? You know, whereas a hey, tasty and give you everything that you could ever want from a running back. That's a fact. Straight to heaven for DeAndre Swift, the running back who is straight from heaven. And for me, it has to be him who earns the PB and J play of the no day doubt. on that 56 no yard scamper. That was just mwah, chef's kiss. Beautiful. Exactly. Exactly. And then is he also Jerry's baller of the weekend? Cause I'm not sure who else is getting that award. Well, you know what? I I'm going to give it to Taylor Decker. Okay. You know? I, I like that. I like it. You know, because, you know, since he's been back, you know, they have been able to rely on the run more. You know, well, Dan, it might be Dan calling the plays. Yeah, but call him A, call him B, you know. But I, I, I do like that he's back, you know, and he's brought a little bit more stability to the run game for sure stability and some attitude to go with it and miles garrett yeah. one of the best edge defenders pass rushers in the game he had two qb hits but he didn't have a sack only one tackle for loss and three total tackles that's not the game you expect from miles garrett were you surprised by that and what are your thoughts on the baller well in Cleveland? well you see he, here's the thing you know uh one he as a pass rusher, you definitely want to keep him off of him. So they did a good job. Two hits is not a bad day. Mm -hmm. uh, but at the same time, it's all about scheme. You know, are they using two men to block? And, you know, sometimes it's not the stats that reflect whether or not a person is having an effect on the game. It's what a team is having to do to stop him from disrupting mm -hmm. the offense. You know, so... You know, it was a solid performance by the offensive line. They they got it done in that area, I would say. That's how I felt coming out of it, too. And then it got me thinking, we have these two bookend tackles in Decker and Sewell, and that's kind of how they built the New Orleans offense with Teron Armstead and Ryan Ramchek, arguably the best tackle duo in the NFL and it seems like Dan Campbell might be trying to replicate the Saints on offense with these bookend tackles with DeAndre Swift as his Alvin Kamara. And we had all hoped TJ Hawkinson could be a Marcus Colston, a Jeremy Shockey, Jimmy Graham, because the Saints always have that one guy and then a bunch of role players. But 
that also got me thinking, is that a good idea? Because we just tried this with Matt Patricia recreating the Patriots. Is he trying to recreate the Saints? And is that the right model to follow? Will it work? Well, I, I think the, the the problem with, you know, any of the rebuilds that would be done outside of where the, I guess you would say, the scheme was developed. You know, the Patriots have a scheme and a way they go about their business. New Orleans has a way. Tampa Bay is learning their way. Tom Brady is teaching them some knowledge. Is Tom Brady doing what New England is doing? No. What Tom Brady is doing is showing them how to be professional, how to actually work in this profession at the highest level and hold everybody accountable as a teammate. So now you take someone else that's coming from an administrative standpoint, they coming in with philosophy because they can't go on the field and do some of the things that a Tom is going to show them about the Patriot way. All right. Now he can intellectually say everything that they're going to say, but you got to have some of that be able to transfer on, on the field. Now you take the lines and where they are and the personnel that they inherited, did they inherit the same type of personnel that new Orleans has now? How soon would they be able to build that? Are they going to ever find a Drew Brees? That's when that's no. what you need. <laughs> that's an awfully border to fill. I mean, that's just, that's the first check. Yeah. It, Jared is not that. We know that. Okay. But I'm not saying that Jared can't win. It's not a bad fit. thing to not be Drew Brees. It's but, Drew but, Brees. But, 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 but they don't throw the same ball. You yeah. know what I mean? That so certain routes that's in offenses that's based on the quarterback of being able to throw a ball. As an example, I give you two two quarterbacks: Randall Cunningham, love him to death. Now when Randall throws that ball and he cocks back and he got man, they ain't seen such a pretty ball, you know. But he's throwing it up. Yeah. Right. So that means that the receiver has to go get it. Now, there are quarterbacks like a Patrick Mahomes that you can see in his arm, a Cam Newton you can see in his arm, that when they throw the deep ball, they're actually throwing the ball accurately. Mm -hmm. Okay, they're throwing it over his head to the outside shoulder, and it'll be 60 yards downfield. Every quarterback can't do that. Some quarterbacks, once they get past those medium routes, the post, the corner and all that, their accuracy goes out because they have to throw with more velocity and they're accurate in the short, but they're not accurate in throwing the long ball. So here you have Drew Brees that could throw all balls. Yeah. Long, short, medium, seam routes, outside routes. He can pinpoint where he wants to throw that ball. You got to have that to make, to say you want to do what the Saints doing. Then you come back and you look at all of the great receivers that the Saints have rallied through there during those years, too. And the compliments, like you say, of the running back and things like that, that would there be even before. Matter of fact, Deuce was there with with Breeze. Yeah, and uh, Reggie pushed. So, yeah, so, so you know, it's just, a, it's just it, it, it can be the vision, but how long is it going to take? And how much personnel do you have in scheme to actually run that type of offense efficiently 
and definitely at the same level of a breeze where you can go out every night and you know he's going to throw for 300. <laughs> On average, he's throw for 300. You know? Yeah. If Breeze under 300 on any passing day, that was off day for him. Or they didn't need his arm to win. <laughs> I was going to say it's either an off day or they ran for 200 yards and he only threw the ball 15 times in a blowout. Yeah. But on the opposite side of this, this Saints conversation is the defense because Aaron Glenn was the DB coach for the New Orleans Saints. And he is just doing a bang up job no matter what. The Lions cannot let Glenn out of the building because Baker Mayfield, I understand he's injured, but he barely completes over 50% of his passes, two interceptions, one touchdown and under 200 yards passing. That is a quality day from an entire defensive unit. And Aaron Glenn has to get a lot of that pressure too, or sorry, that credit too. Well, no doubt. I think that one of the things that you have to look at with, you know, the success that they've had with Aaron at the helm calling the defense is, you know, like I said, the points, you know, and keeping the game always within reach, whereas the defense is doing their part because it's giving the offense the ball back and it's giving them an opportunity to win, you know. And I think that Aaron, you know, should at some point become a head coach. Now, whether or not you know, they lock him into a long-term contract there with the Lions, meaning three, four years. That would be long-term for him. Um, he already might already have that. You know, I don't know. But, you know, as teams, you know, start looking for good coaches, you know, when you're owing anything, he's going to get hit with that too. That part, part of that splatter is going to go on his resume, even though he might – be stellar as a defensive coordinator. It's just like if a guy was rushing for 200 yards every game in a losing effort. You know, it's like, yeah, but y'all lost. <laughs> you know, yeah, but I rushed for 200 yards, but you lost. <laughs> yeah, you're not winning MVP when you lose 14 games, but so, it ran for 200 yards, right? Right, right. So he's going to, you know, get splattered with that now. But the, again, Football people will look at it and still say, okay, yeah, but damn, look, look how he held, you know, Lamar Jackson down. Look how he did this. Look at this, you know. The the game with Philadelphia, like he's, he buried that. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't want to see that. But like I told you also, if you remember when I made comment and you asked about that, I told you is that, you know, a good coach will normally have his team respond in a good way. And the messaging is that, you know, that didn't have nothing that could ever build on. So him moving away from that was, seems to have been the right thing. Yeah, sure does. I, I, I action this. He just seems to find the ball all the time. Picks off Baker Mayfield. He's at four interceptions and a fumble or recovery in 10 games. Just a ball match. Did you play with? Guys like that, just the ball seemed to find their hand all the time. Well, yeah, yeah, there are some guys that just have that the right place, right, right place, right time effect and stuff. You know, you, you could call them luck, or you just can say, "Hey, guy was just, you know, where it was supposed to be." Um, I would say Eric Turner before he passed with Cleveland was a safety that was always there. 
There was also another gentleman by the name Man, Orlando Thomas. He passed as well, you know, and um, both of those guys was big-time playmaker, free safeties and stuff. And, and a lot of times when you're looking in those third and long situations, it's those safeties that's going to come up and make the play unless you got a stellar cornerback. But it's really those safeties that's going to do the breaking up, especially when it comes to the seams in the middle of the field. And when you got a guy like Benny Blades back there where he's laying the wood, plopping that ball up in the air. Oh, man, what you know about laying that wood? You know, (laughs) what you know about laying that wood? You know, you see, I got to be careful about saying that because laying that wood means something else out here. Oh, I'm sorry about that. (laughs) (laughs) For for me, it means... (laughs) Given a given a shoulder pop, big big hit, big hit is what I'm saying. <laughs> well, look, listen. There there are a couple sayings that we would actually say that was you know a little vulgar and stuff when we talk about hitting guys. Mm-hmm. We'll say nothing in the dirt, you know. <laughs> well, and that kind of uh, that was a topic of conversation because the left guard Jonah Jackson. Apparently he said something during the commercial break and the ref flew through a flag because of what he said to another player. Lots of flags in this game and kind of two part question for you. What are some of the crazier things you have heard and do you have to prepare oh. for certain refs? Oh man, let me tell you something. Okay. I'm going to give you two players and actually I should be putting this here out there, but I'm going to put it out here for us. Uh, all, right, all right, all right. So so I'm playing with the with the Raiders, and I think we were in L.A. at that time, and uh, there was number one draft pick in the draft. His name was Andre Bruce of the Falcons. But Andre actually was drafted by the Falcons, but now he's playing with the Raiders. Okay. So – we go back to Atlanta to play the Falcons in Atlanta. And um, so the guy that he's playing against, Andre just so happened to know his lady. Okay. okay. And he started telling the guy the tattoos and all that. This guy literally took his helmet off in the NFL game, and he threw it at him. Yeah, that's right. uh, that the yeah, ejection, I, I assume. All right, so so just imagine what he's saying to this guy about his lady, and it's really his wife. But I don't want to. You know, but anyway, yeah. we don't know if it's true or not. But both <laughs> they all live in Atlanta. Andre lived in Atlanta, was on the team, and you know. So it's like that type of thing going on. So he's getting the guy out of his head. Now, the number one person that would do that is John Randall. Hall of Famer John Randall. Man, let me tell you what Johnny would do. So during the week, Johnny would actually look at the rosters and find all the defensive linemen and the people that he was going to go in front of in terms of lining up, he would actually find out through reading their bios if they were married, 
and then he would remember the wives' names, and he would be talking to them about their wife. And you should see these guys' eyes because they have no idea how he knows their wife's name. And he might be over here on the right side and yelling it across the line. Hey, let's tell Jennifer I said hi. <laughs> That's a good way to get in someone's head. Oh, and make man. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, you it's mind games going. The, the thing with me, they didn't play that shit with me because they wanted me not to get mad. Because if I get mad, I, that, I'm going to play harder. So they just like, don't leave him alone. Don't say nothing to him. <laughs> Don't want Jerry seeing red because then he turns into the Hulk with how it when the madder he gets, the 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 harder he plays. Well, there's some truth to that, Jack. I, you know, the Hulk actually is one of my favorite, you know, Marvel com DC, well, DC Marvel He's comics. Marvel. Marvel comics, but you know, I would say that I probably had, you know, if you talk to some of the guys, I just found out what heavy-handed was because guys used to tell me I'm heavy handed but my grandson hit me in my chest the other day He's he'll be two in January and he was so heavy handed that I said okay I understand what that means now when <laughs> <laughs> all my life 56 years for me to understand what they mean when they were telling me JB you heavy handed man <laughs> what yeah, we got a little yeah, nose anyway. tackle on our hands. Yes, sir. We we definitely got off of it. But you know what? His dad though is like six five, six six, so he's gonna be taller. Okay. He, I, I, I actually think he's gonna be a left tackle. All right. What, and he's got a nice little build to him and stuff. And 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 honest to God, when he was about maybe a year year and a month old, I start telling him, showing him how to move his feet like he's running a drill. I would sit in my chair and move my feet say, move your feet, move your feet. And now that's a drill. So now when he sees me, he comes up to me and he starts moving, moving his feet, moving his feet <laughs> because I was like, yeah, I'm getting you ready. <laughs> and, and now we know he's already got heavy punch that you need at that left tackle. Maybe. We get another ball playing for the Detroit Lions this time on the offense. Well, let, let, let's hope so. Well, let's hope that by the time. So right now, it'll be what these two. So we talking nineteen years. That's almost the same amount of time since they had a back rush, back to back one hundred years. So let, let's just say, in that same period of time, he'll become a prospect. <laughs> All right, all right. And hopefully by then the Detroit Lions have come out of this rebuild <laughs> that we're in right now. Well, let's hope they've gotten a championship out of Oh, yeah. A championship. Build that. Build to a championship. And, you know, we talk about Nick Chubb and how talented he is for the running backs. And he, he was going gloveless, which I find terrifying. A gloveless Nick Chubb out on the field. And he does have 144 yards from scratch, but long of 15 yards. So I do think the Lions did a good job at limiting those leaky tackles. And 
So what are you yeah. seeing from this Lions defense that's making them so effective well, I just think the coordination, one, the, the efforts of the guys, uh, are they are trying to win. and uh, But the effort, you know, the consistency of the calls, you know, Aaron is putting them in good position. Yeah, and rookie second rounder Levi on Wuzurike, he comes up big in this one. He's starting to break out, uses his big mitts to block an extra point, has a batted pass at the line of scrimmage that becomes an interception too. Or no, sorry, it was just a, a batted pass. But did you ever end up blocking any kicks in your NFL career? Because I only did it in high school, and it friggin' hurts. Well, I, I did not block any in uh, in the pro level. Uh, you know, a guy like me, I'm normally on the line. I'm the one that's going to be knocking the center of the guard back so that the jumper will have enough room. So that that was my job. And then on offense, I would actually be the guard on the field goals and extra point. So okay. uh, blocking it, nah, nah, that was for the tall guys or the no. jumpers, which are the normally DBs and linebackers. Gotcha, gotcha. Not your style. You play a more important on the, the kick block anyways. I get you there. You know, building blocks. <laughs> building blocks. Yes, indeed. And so one of the things that really stood out to me from Aaron Glenn, there was a big third down with five left. They run the delayed safe. It forces the throw and it's incomplete. He just hook up with his receiver completely and I and it seems more and more teams are starting to use cover zero with the safeties. We saw the Dolphins completely stumped Lamar Jackson with it on Thursday night. Is that something that's kind of – was that something you used often back there, and has it come back around? Well, again, you know, the, the hardest thing to ever do – is, you know, really until you know your personnel, know what the capability. Let's say I want to do a safety blitz, but my safety actually runs a 4-8. Mm-hmm. I might be able to blitz him, but he might be so slow, he'll never get there. You get what I'm saying? So yeah. you really got to be able to match up your scheme and personnel. It's going to always be to that because it gives the limitations to what you can and can do. You know, but yes, to answer your question, yeah, I've been in those type of defenses where, you know, they, they playing the man, they pressing, they also showing blitz, they playing man zone. You know, it's a combination. I think the best thing, again, this goes back to the coaching aspect. Aaron being a, a former player and having to actually do these things, it's easier for him to communicate to a guy that would have a question how to actually fix that problem. Mm. Or even how to cheat what he might be asking. So let's say it is the guy that I want to blitz. Aaron might say, hey, I don't want you leaving from four or five yards off the line of scrimmage. I need you up in the gap. Why? Because those two to three yards is a hand in his face. Mm. Even if you get there. But if you're three yards away, he can throw it over your hand. But if you make cup, so so it's just those little things. A lot of things, geometry has a lot to do with football and coverages. 
So you guys that you youngsters, study geometry because you'll learn angles. The game of football and technique is based on angles. Yep. All right. So the things that a coach is doing is putting a player in a position where the angle to the ball, the angle to the man, or whatever it is that he's his responsibility is, he understands the most efficient route. All right. So those are the things that uh, Aaron Glenn can show as a former player that may be a, a coach that understands the scheme, but he doesn't really understand the motion. He doesn't understand that, okay, well, I can't expect him to, to drop five yards and then come up eight yards. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. I might be asking too much. Some coaches get heavy with the pen like an architect with a house. Just draft. I yeah. want you to do this yeah. and do this and do this and this. Well, damn, coach, you know, he's going to get rid of the ball in four seconds. Yeah, that's going to take me about seven seconds, you know? So, sometimes you got to simplify it. Like Lombardi would say, yeah. seal, seal in the alley. It's yeah. And, and when you've lived that both as a player and as a coach, you can communicate that a little bit better. So uh, again, just excited about what we're seeing from Aaron Glenn. It's almost yeah. like he understands this defense. Oh, he should be the head coach. Go ahead. Not I said it first. <laughs> I, I said it first. I, I said it first. It. I didn't want to say it. Look, I was. Hey, but, so well, look here. Check this out. The when you go to the Lions' most recent success as a team consistently, what years will you go to? I would go to the no, the well, the, the real 90s. success, the nineties. We can we have that sprinkle with Stafford, but no, it's the nineties. It's the nineties. Wayne Fonts was that coach. Before Wayne Fonts became the head coach of the Detroit Lions, he was what the defensive coordinator. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I and Lomas Brown, well, let me say it, the Lomas Brown and I wrote the letter to Mr. Ford in support of Wayne being named the head coach. Really? Yeah. And this is, look. Yeah. And listen. And, and they named Wayne, the, they fired their Rogers. During the season, mm -hmm. Wayne was the interim head coach for the remainder of the season. And by the end of the season, the team was fullest of, behind him. We wrote that letter. Mr. Ford hired him. Okay. That's God's honest truth. Yeah. Maybe history repeats itself. Well, I I'm just saying this happened before. And they've had success from that. So it's not – and, again, I'm not throwing Dan Campbell away and, you know, trying to be someone that, you know, say, oh, give the job to Aaron. No, what I'm saying is this. Aaron should at least be his assistant head coach and be able to talk to the players in a way that they can understand yeah. the emotion of what coach is trying to – 
Um, but he's trying to impart in them because he wants them to feel what he feels about competing and the way they go about their job. Okay. Now that is the thing that I know for a fact without being there. That's what he wants because he says it. Yeah. Okay. But let me tell you what's dangerous about that. Right. Because, you know, when we used to have an off-season workout with the Lions, this is before any of the off-season training would take place. We didn't have nine months to 12 months out of the year like they play and work at football. There was no 100000 200000 300000 a million dollars for you to come work out. Mm-hmm. There was not. We had, back when I was playing initially, again, my first year salary is 105000 My signing bonus was 120000 My dad at the railroad made more than me as a pro athlete. Wow. Now, in the same aspect of it, you know, when you're looking at how the offseason now is a part of the full football season, we went and worked and tried to do other things because we knew we if football didn't last, we would have to do something, right? Yeah. So I was never one that went to the offseason program. Now, and I was looked at as not being a part of the team, but listen, we got guys don't even live in the state that's not here. Yeah. Guys living in Florida, California, and all that. But the one thing I had, I had a weight room, a sauna in my basement. And when they would be asleep, I would be in my sauna, 11, 1 o'clock in the morning. So after they had went the full offseason and they had put up every record on the board, I asked, okay, what was the best bench? And I went up and I took it down. What I was did it? better what was left than it. Right, but I wasn't in the program. Yeah, I wasn't yeah. in their off-season program, and their best marks, I came in and I erased them and put my name, even though I wasn't. Now, the reason why I say that is because this was a time when Chris was being a leader, Chris Spielman, I'm speaking of. All right? Chris wanted guys to do that, but Chris was a weightlifter. We're, we're runners. <laughs> we run. Yeah. And we lift. Okay? But running and agility is our strength, okay? So when we're going there to work out, we're going to work out for strength, but we're not eating iron like Chris was eating iron, okay? okay? All right, now, here's my point about it. So when you have a guy that thinks his way is the way that it should be, and then you have other people that go about their way just as professional as you, but they got a different approach. Yeah. You got to be able to bring that together. 
-hmm. differences in approaches, differences in philosophy. And guess what? Chris Jaw did not depend on anyone else but me. Yep. My job was to keep them off of him so he could go make the tackles. So if he and I, then it's going to kind of make the defense disjointed. Yeah. So we, we got together even though we had differences of approach. Yeah. All right. Now, Dan is like Chris. Aaron is like me. But they have to be able to transfer that knowledge now to the players so that they can have a little bit of both. Yeah, they I like that. They have to have a little bit of both. It's not one way or the other. A little bit of both. I think Aaron should be assistant head coach. That's the long reason why I gave a qualifying of what I think would make that organization better. Dan, the head coach, Aaron, assistant head coach, but Dan gives him enough voice that you can take those two different cultures and yeah. blend into their way of winning. That's how they're going to win a championship if they can do that. You can, and, that's, and that's where Chris and I didn't have enough humility to do that. And we both were equally wrong. Just telling the truth. Well, uh, uh, it's nice that you can admit that now and you can look yeah. back and you can see where you could have been different. And I, th I think when yeah. it comes to Campbell and Aaron Glenn, it could be Dan has the big picture, but he is having trouble conveying that message. Aaron takes a lot more role in that. And well, and if you listen to Aaron speak, any question that they've asked Aaron Glenn, he's been dead on, on point. He's never, he don't equivocate his answers. Whereas he's giving you a qualifying answer because of the simple fact that he's thought about this even before you answered it. Or, or not answered, before you asked. So that's why he can respond to things better. Dan has a different thing he has to respond to as the head coach because he's responsible for everything. So he got to answer for everything. He even has to answer for what the owner is doing. He yeah. has to answer for the moves the GM is going to make because they're not going to have direct access to the GM and the owner. Dan is going to be the one, well, you guys made a move and traded for such and such, and, and he's going to say, well, me and such, uh, we got together and we did this and then we had conversations, went to the owner. He's speaking for him. Yeah. You know, so there's a role. He just got to go on and settle into it for real. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But that's my thing. Well, and hopefully this uh, this Jerry and Chris – this Aaron and Dan can come together and we can build something special going forward. And it starts with Thanksgiving. We've got the Thanksgiving game for the lions on Thursday. Oh. It's going to be a big one. I've got to know what's it like as a player for Thanksgiving in Detroit. I... Oh man, listen, let me tell you something. Now this is, I'll tell you the one thing I didn't like about being the lions playing on Thanksgiving. All right. Well, it's two things. 
Okay. One, I couldn't sit back and eat and watch football. I had to play. <laughs> That's the first thing. But the second thing is that I never liked the fact that my, well, let me make sure I say this right. My teammates and I put our heart on the field. But when Thanksgiving came around, it was like the whole team had more energy and more drive. And I always wanted us to have that drive every week. Now, for me, I had to fight two guys every game. So At I, least two, I, if not three. So sometimes three. And I mean, for 13 years, I did that. So every time I went on the field, I couldn't go out there bullshitting. I didn't have no day off because every every game I'm facing two men, two two men, 300 plus pounds. All right? And they're pounding on me. So my mind and mentality is that I got to get myself right. I got to prepare myself. I got to always be on my game. But sometimes guys that you know, be casual, and then Thanksgiving come, they get excited because they know everybody's watching, but that's about TV. Now, we got rid of a lot of those guys before I left, but this is how we started when we're 3 and 13, 4 and 12. This is the type of, you know, that was already there. Mm -hmm. It was already, okay, forgive me, guys. I'm just telling the truth. But that was the only thing I didn't really care for. Now, I'll give you one trivia thing, too. I was the first player to receive the turkey from John Madden on Thanksgiving. And I was the player that received the most. It was myself, then Nate Newton. But I received more turkeys than anybody, and I received the first. How many turkeys did Jerry Ball end up getting in his Lions Thanksgiving Four. career? Four, Four turkeys. Four. Ooh. Yeah, that. yeah. We, now we didn't eat the turkey. Now y'all know that it was a real turkey, but you, we don't. They don't give that to us. You know, some people are like JB. Is that turkey good? I'm like, you think we ate that? No, nah, man. No, not even a bite. Not even a, a little sample. No, no. We don't know where that came from. It's been sitting out. All day, don't you know it is not covered, it's just a prop. That's all it was, you know. But Thanksgiving, you know, it, it presents some challenges, you know, because of the simple fact that you're playing on Sunday and you got to turn around and play again on Thursday. That means that you might look at the film. I mean, shit. They're going to put it on and get right to the game. They, it's not going to be a whole bunch of, you know, reteaching unless it's something that they have to because they got to get to the next game plan because the game now is in four days. Well, really three because you're going to travel back on Sunday. You, you're going to come in on Monday, and then the game is on Thursday. So you got to get right to the program. So it does put you in a short schedule. Uh, teams that can adjust. You know, typically are the ones that do it more. The Lions have always been able to adjust to that short schedule. Kansas City does it well, too. Now, the Cowboys as well. 
you know, because those are the type of games that they end up playing a lot of Thursday night games. If you really look and see who played those Thursday night games, it's a lot of KC and Cowboy games on Thursday night. Yeah. But long short is a holiday. You know, everyone's watching. You know, uh, I can tell you that, you know, um, some of my best games were on, on Thanksgiving. Uh, John Madden, actually, you know, he blew me up. I, there's no other way of saying it. You know, he made me a household name for those that follow football. I'm not saying that I'm this and that, but he made it whereas, you know, in the football world, my name rather. Brought the name yeah. Jerry Ball into the national conversation, John Madden. Oh, no, no question. I mean, the way that he would focus the camera on me and showing the people what I'm doing. He's like, look, hey, look at here. Look at Jerry Ball. He's taking on two blockers and stuff. Now, folks, now look at most guys only fighting one. This guy's fighting two. Look at what he's doing. And he's handling both of them. And he would show that over and over. He said, man, look at this guy ball. You know, and so the way that he did it and the animation, and then whenever Nate Newton and I would be playing against each other, then he would say, that's like the collision of buses. (laughs) (laughs) Unstoppable force, immovable object. Yeah, yeah. He a wide body and I'm a wide body. Well, it sounds like Thanksgiving was some good times for Jerry Ball in Detroit. What about after the game? Do you, does the team have dinner? Do you go back to your families? What's that like? No, we go home. You know, uh, meals. I would normally what happens is there's a meal that I think it would be on Tuesday. They'll serve some type of Thanksgiving meal on Wednesday. It'd be a half a day, and then you you know go to the hotel or you stay home depending on if you're visiting or not. And um, they're to get up and play the game. But they do provide a meal. Now, after, you know, of course, you know, all the guys, you know, we have um, we have meals prepared at home. The wives and family, a lot of times, a lot of players, family come up. So it's always mom and sisters and family in there cooking. And whoo, you talk about turkey. I'm talking about that sweet potato pie. Ooh. Maybe peach cobbler or Ooh. banana pudding or German chocolate cake. Oh, boy, go ahead. On. Mm, mm, mm. All good for JB. <laughs> As a matter of fact, I, I put my pie on the same place. I said, I don't want no yams. Just give me my sweet. Put my pie on there. That's going to be my yams. <laughs> <laughs> well, it sounds like you're getting pretty excited for Thanksgiving. I hope they your family rolls out the uh, the whole spread for you on Thursday and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing the Lions play again on Thursday and hopefully get that elusive first win. Hey, you're right. You're right. And I hope you enjoy your Thanksgiving as well with your family. So what's your plans? Well, so I'm up in Canada here. So we had our first Thanksgiving pass already, the Canadian Thanksgiving. And so yeah, Canadian Thanksgiving's in uh, October. So we usually just get, get together as a family for that. And then this okay. American Thanksgiving is just a day full of football. That's uh, okay. what okay. we turned it into. So I'm looking forward to it. And uh, you can catch us here on the believe in lines podcast. We will be recording on Thursday morning before kickoff. So looking forward to that. Any final thoughts here, Jerry, any uh, final words, any pluggables to plug? No, no, we're good. All I want to just say is, 
Dan, Detroit Lions, Aaron, Jared, Miss Ford, Mr. Wood, Chris, everybody. One win. We just asking for one right now. Just one. That's it. <laughs> Please. Please give us that one win on Thanksgiving. We're looking forward to it. And before we get to that, though, we got to break it down. All right. One, two, three. We believe. We believe. Brought in to the lines. In the <laughs> brought to you by betonline.ag. I believe, I believe, I believe. I love the Lions. Say it with me. I love the Lions. I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.